Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. What is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. Stories connect us. And stories are powerful. But sometimes we lack the courage to share the exact story we need to share so that others can connect to us. It's an interesting thing about stories that You prepare for them and you have a sense of the impact that they'll have on others and you generously put it out there to the world and something magical happens. People interact with that story in a million different ways. And yet, we don't share those stories because we're afraid of how others might think of us or judge us. But the bigger cost is actually, what do we stop from happening if we choose to keep our stories private. In today's show, I talk with Oleg Lohid, who shares part of his personal journey and takes us through a variety of stories. And I'm so glad that he shared them with us. And the big idea I hope you get, Ruckus Maker, is that you have a powerful story inside you. And by sharing it, you might just unleash something remarkable within your community. So thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, let's take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, which increases student active engagement and participation and reduces classroom management issues. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Ruckus Maker, is email a soul-crushing distraction for you? It was for me, and that's why I subscribe to SaneBox. Start your free two-week trial and get a $25 credit by visiting SaneBox.com forward slash BLBS. I believe that school leaders are doing the best they can. But is it possible to be just a little bit better? According to Demetrius, a school leader in California, the best part of the mastermind is the hot seat. I learned so much from the challenges that we all share during the hot seat because the feedback that our members give is so insightful and valuable. Lauren, a principal in Washington, D.C., remarked that the best part of the mastermind is access to tremendous thought partnering. If you would benefit from getting connected to other elite school leaders and would enjoy discussing education and leadership deeply each week, then we welcome your application to the mastermind. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. His start in life was inauspicious. At nine years old, he relinquished his parents' rights and entered the Russian orphanage. At 12, he decided to be adopted into a new family, a new country, halfway across the world, and to start a new life. At 24, he began his journey of helping others live the life they always dreamed of, despite their hardships and misfortunes, by allowing them to recognize the uniqueness and worth within their own story. It's my pleasure to welcome Oleg Lohid to the show. 
Daniel, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here and it's a pleasure to share my story with your listeners. Great. Well, thank you again for uh, scheduling this. And, and you are a fantastic storyteller and you do such a great job uh, just being real. And I appreciate and admire that in, in the short time I've known you so far. I want to open up with a story of you and a good friend. You're in Ann Arbor driving to the mall and you reveal something big to him. And so can you take us to that moment? Absolutely. This, that particular story, it's very interesting that we choose to go with that. And it was a drive that him and I were on. We we're going to Briarwood Mall in Ann Arbor, Michigan, for those who are aware of the area. And I think to start off, it was just like any other drive. We were laughing and having a good time. And then I remember as we got closer and closer to the mall, something within me had changed and the environment. And I began to think of the things that I was missing. And one of those things was my mom, my birth mom. And for those who are not familiar with my story, I was adopted at the age of 12 and ended up coming here from Russia. Didn't know English, didn't know anything about this part of the world. So I literally had to start from square one in learning a lot of the things that you might have as far as your tools and skill sets to date. And so that particular story just made me think that even though I had made this decision to come to the United States and pursue a better future for myself, that there was still things from my past that I was dearly missing. And one of those, just like I said, was my birth mom. And so I remember sitting there in the car and all of a sudden going from laughing and smiling to being very serious and almost on the verge of crying. And I think I did end up crying in that car with him. And the reason why was because I started to tell him how much I missed her and how much I wanted to bring back that family at a young age and change the circumstances and the situations that we were in. And what was very interesting about him, his name is Carson, was that he gave me something that not many people have. And that is he gave me a space to be me and he gave me a year to listen to. And as part of that, I think that was one of the first moments where I was really able to accept parts of my past and embrace the decisions that I've made. You know, what's interesting for me is the, the more I look back at my journey and the more I try to analyze, well, how did I make that decision as a nine-year-old kid to relinquish my parents' rights and go into an orphanage? How did I make the decision to give up my past or parts of it and move halfway across the world into a new country? And what it makes me think that the more I'm able to share those elements and and those stories, the more I'm able to embrace those decisions. So I think the embracing process, I don't think it, it happens during that particular time of making that decision. I think it happens over time. Because the more I share, the more angles that I'm able to look at that particular story from. And every single one of them, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners that you have in your show, when you share a particular story, you're able to get so many different perspectives because you don't know the other person on the other end and you don't know the type of questions they may ask you. So for me, that was a very eye-opening experience to be able to go 
through a journey like that, where I was able to really open up to a friend of mine. And as part of it, I think it only, it only got us closer together as friends, because then he was able to feel the pain that I was going through and able to share that and ultimately able to relate from his own point of view, as far as the things that he might've been struggling. And so looking back at everything now, what's been very interesting from that particular moment is that him and I have become very good friends because we can be open with one another about everything. And I think it's because of moments like that, when I shared the things about that I was missing from that hometown, that we're able to essentially evolve this friendship to a whole nother level. I do want to get into later, probably like that space, that's something new that I heard Mm -hmm. about the space he created. But before we, we get there, the ruckus maker that's listening can relate to having a story, right? We all have stories mm-hmm. and we all have those stories that are motivating, whether we're cognizant of it or not. It's motivating what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Who we think we are and our identity too. And, and so I'm wondering if you would uh, mind riffing on how you don't let your story define you. Right. Mm -hmm. And and how you uh, maybe even use stories to realize that you're a lot more alike other people than you may have considered before. That's a very fascinating question. And the reason why is because, just like you said, I firmly believe that we do have the power to choose the story that we tell ourselves. And that's the people that we end up becoming, is the stories that we tell ourselves. As part of that journey for me to take it way back, I wasn't always like this. There were moments where I did allow the stories and the circumstances and the traumatic experiences that I've gone through in my life define me. And the reason why is because I don't think I had the environment, I had the people surrounding me that helped me reframe a lot of the circumstances that happened to me. Once I was able to surround myself with people who helped me think differently, that's when I was able to recreate the stories. And that's where I was able to recreate the moments for not what they were, but how I choose to see them. And there's a difference there. And and that is, I don't make up anything as far as this thing happened this way. I'm going to create a whole other story with it. I just choose to look at a different element of that particular event. So stories are extremely important. And just like you said at the beginning of this, we all have a story that's unique to our own journey. And that's, I think, the most important part to not lose is that we are all unique. We are all inspiring and we can all motivate one another if we choose to. One of the challenges that I've seen throughout the journey of sharing my story is that some of the people that I have come across, and I would ask them the question of what makes you unique or why do you do what you do? And sometimes people say, oh, there's nothing. There's nothing that makes me unique. I'm average. I haven't gone through the things that you have. But the point is not to compare. The point is not to say, 
just because you haven't gone through the things that I have, therefore your story is not unique. The point is to just embrace your own journey and the things that you went through. Because the things that you went through are entirely different from the challenges and obstacles that I went through. And that's okay. And I think that's the most important part of it all. That's how, that's how I was able to define worth within my own story. And yes, you could say that some of the tragic events that I've experienced in my life are not exactly the things that people experience in their daily lives, but I didn't get to choose that. Those things just, they just happened. So for me, the challenge became, this was about five or six years ago, was really starting this journey of reframing. How do I reframe these circumstances and these events into a story that will not only give me the comfort to live within my own skin now, but also can be used as a foundation and a building block for the type of person that I can become in the future. Yeah, reframing is so powerful. Uh, gives you that ownership and, and it gives you permission too to look from different angles. You know, you get you get so used mm-hmm. to it's automatic, right? To look at this story, whether it's very positive or or challenging, and you're so used to it looking from that one angle and reciting the same story and over and over, you, you do it without even thinking. Mm-hmm. But then you just change the perspective a little bit and there's whole new meaning to that. And, and something that you, uh, that you said is that if I caught it right, the reframing for you was unlocked doing it within a community. Did I, did I catch that right? Yeah. Yeah. In, inviting other people in. I think when I gave myself the permission that my story is an ongoing process, it's, it's just like the question, who are you? When you really think about it, that's a question that we can't really answer because it's ongoing. I can be this today, but tomorrow I can be a whole other person. We shift through our identities every single day. So when it came to reframing and, te- and choosing the story that I wanted to tell to myself, it really boiled down to getting to a space where I felt comfortable enough with sharing my story with other people in knowing that I may get asked questions or I may receive statements that I've never received before. But I understood that there's only so much that I know and there are things that I don't know. And one of the only ways for me to find that unknown was to give an opportunity who is not me to ask me questions, to give me feedback, to tell me what they think. And once I was able to hear those comments and those reflection points, that's when I was able to take a step back and I think develop a whole new perspective for the stories that I did have. I have a few leadership communities uh, for the listeners I serve. And and that's that's Mm -hmm. like the prime environment to get that type of perspective, right? A safe and brave space mm-hmm. where other people can speak into those stories. Uh, but the interesting thing that happens is once you can move from almost like this is happening to me to this happened for me, you know, to learn some lessons or to, uh, right. to help me become the person that I am today. And you own that part of the story what I heard you say is you shared it with Carson and then Carson opens up to you on a new level. And now your relationship has, yes. has uh, become deeper and it continues. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, I'm really encouraging the ruckus maker listening, and we've spent so much time talking about this because I think it's a mistake to divide our lives like professional and personal and not necessarily open up to the communities we serve. And uh-huh. it's a mistake because you're just, you're missing out on opportunities. And when you reframe those stories and you become confident in telling them, it unleashes something special within the whole environment that will never happen unless you're willing to go there as the leader. Yes. No, you're spot on with that. And the reason why is because I think when we separate, and I've done this before, when I used to separate myself into this is a business strictly setting versus this is a community of like-minded friends and people, what I began to notice was that I was putting on a mask in both communities. And sometimes it ha- it happens almost unconscious. You don't even realize that you're putting it on. But the fact that you are labeling one setting as a different environment than the other, then you are force- you're literally forcing yourself to be a different version of yourself within that particular setting. For me, I remember one of the first moments that I realized this was I was in college and I think I was a freshman or sophomore. And we're going into a networking event with a lot of different executives and and people who have owned startups. And I just remember going into it. And at first, there was this notion based on the previous experiences that I had in my life of similar events of, okay, straighten up. You can't uh, make the same jokes anymore. You can't laugh the same way. You, You have to be strictly professional. And what I learned over time was after I repeated that particular behavior, A, it became ingrained in me, so it became a part of me, and B, I wasn't actually able to communicate the things that I wanted to communicate because I thought that there would be a sense of judgment coming from the other person. And as part of that story, it just, I couldn't be me. I couldn't be myself. But once I broke away from that, And once I was able to take a step back and say, why am I wearing this mask? I'm actively choosing to wear this mask in this setting. Why can't I be the same person in both environments? Because at the end of the day, if there's anything that I've learned throughout life, it is that you can't please everyone, nor should you try. So knowing that, it just made me realize that be you, no matter where you are. And the people that are meant to be in your life will accept you for the type of person that you are to them in that particular time and place. And that's really what it boils down to. My mom had shared this quote with me. This was many years ago. I remember sitting down with her at a dinner table and we were talking about the different friends and the different communities that I was a part of. And I was relatively young and, I, and she, we were talking about how many friends do we have in our lives? And I said, well, in my life, I probably have well over 50 or 100. And she said something that has been so powerful ever since. She said, you'll be, she said something along the lines of, you'll be very fortunate to have a handful of friends throughout your life that are really there for you. And I remember at the time sitting there across from her and thinking to myself, well, how is that possible when I can name at least 50 different people that are considered my friends? But What's been very interesting is that even at this particular stage, I'm only 26 years old right now, I can name you five 
And that's really what it boils down to. A handful of friends that are really, really there for you, no matter what the time or the circumstance may be. So I think back in the day, it was a tendency for me because I was a teenage teenager to kind of go against the parenting <laughs> and the things that, we, that I was exposed to. But later on, I look back at some of the lessons that my parents taught me and they've become principles. They become a part of my foundation. Mm-hmm. So not wearing a mask has been a choice of mine. And once I was able to come to that realization, that's when I was able to really step into the person that I wanted to be and that I could be. And so giving myself permission and knowing that throughout time, I will find the right people along this journey who are meant to be in my life. And as part of that, what, whatever the phrase is, I don't remember the exact words, but how some people are there for a day, for a week, for a season. It's, it's true. You will meet certain people in life who are only day for one specific, who are only there for one specific reason. You'll meet others who are there beyond that. And then you'll meet those that are there for life. And the ones that are there for life, what I've experienced, and maybe some of the listeners have experienced a different side, but for those who are there for life, that's a very small number. And I don't know why. I don't know why it is like that. Because it's not that, it's not like I'm any less authentic with anyone else. I am me within every single conversation that I have. So why is it that some people are there for a day, others, others are there for a week, and then the others are there for a lifetime? It's an interesting question to, to noodle on for sure. Well, like, let's pause here just for a second for a message from our sponsors. Better Leaders, Better Schools is proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal-setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher with the students, helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. Learn more and improve your students' executive functioning and non-cognitive skills at OrganizedBinder.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by SaneBox. Inbox Zero, that's a thing of the past. Ruckus Maker, you're so inundated with email that it's no longer about responding to everything. It's about responding only to the important things, the messages that truly matter. That's where SaneBox comes in. Think of it as a robotic Mari Kondo for your email. As messages flow in, SaneBox tidies up your inbox leaving only the important emails and directing all the distracting stuff to your Sane Later folder. Now you know what messages to pay attention to and what stuff you can get to later on. It also has nifty features like Sane Black Hole, where I drag messages from annoying senders that I never want to hear from again, and Sane Reminders, which pings me when somebody hasn't replied to a message I've sent out. Best of all, you can use SaneBox with any email service out there. See how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. Visit SaneBox.com forward slash BLBS today and you'll also get a $25 credit. That's SaneBox.com forward slash BLBS. 
And we're back with Oleg Lohid, who just dropped a philosophical bomb on us uh, right before the break, which is, why are some people there for a day, a week, a season? And it's truly something uh, interesting to, to ponder. Uh, and I don't know what the right answer is, and I don't know if it matters what the right answer is. Uh, it makes me think of being grateful for who you have around you at you know, in that moment, in that time, you know, I'm grateful to have this conversation with you right now. I'm grateful mm-hmm. for my wife and now I'm not going to do a whole list, but before the <laughs> whole, before we recorded, um, I was talking about the postcard that I want to send, right. To a leader who, yeah. who means a lot to me. And I just want him to know that I'm thinking of him. And so, uh, yeah, it's interesting that, that the way that works out. And I, I really want to challenge the ruckus maker who's listening to, reach out to who your five are yeah. because maybe even more important than wondering why it's a day a week, a season or whatever, even more important is letting people know that they're a part of that fabric within your patchwork of a life right now. Mm -hmm. And that it's super meaningful that they have that permission to uh, speak into your life and to help you out and all that sort of stuff. So the challenge again, ruckus maker, express a little bit of gratitude and, and reach out to those uh, folks in your life. Now, um, Oleg, I'm interested uh, about leadership, and you know that this show is, is really about that. And, and something you mentioned during our intro chat that really stuck with me, I wanted to follow up with you here, is uh, this notion that before you're able to lead others, you have to lead yourself. Right. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I'm a huge believer that everything starts from leading from within. And that is, I think you have to lead yourself in the direction that you choose to become before you can help others get to this, get to similar spots. What I mean by that is really the journey for me, that particular journey began years, three to four years ago, maybe a little bit longer. And that's when I really started to reflect back on my life and the things that have happened to me and really tried to understand why me? Why was I put in a lot of these circumstances? Why did I have the life that I had the first 12 years? And the answer was actually a lot more simple than I thought. And it was, if not you, then who else? So what I mean by leading yourself before you can help others or helping yourself before you can help others is really trying to understand myself as much as I can, trying to heal myself as much as I can. The story that I shared with you of sharing the things about missing my birth mom that I had with my best friend on the drive to the mall in Ann Arbor, Michigan is a a part of that journey. It's a story that I had to share. It's a story that I had to talk about in order to help myself embrace and accept those elements of my past. So, I think it's very important to come to a point of our lives where we can start to heal. We can start to understand that the things that have happened to us. And just like you said, there is no right answer to any of this. The only right answer is the answer that you choose. And as part of that, what I've learned is once I was able to get to that particular point where I was able to lead myself, where I was able to understand the things that have happened to me and why they happened to me based on the perspective that I chose, that's when I was able to step into a space of helping others. 
helping others do similar things, helping others accept their past, helping others live a more authentic life, helping others understand their unique abilities. It's, it, it all boils down to how far you are willing to go. And so in my case, the farther I was able to go within my own journey and my own personal development, that's when I was able to step in spaces where I can help others based on the lived experience that I've had. I think the obstacle that we face in today's world is oftentimes we'll catch ourselves in situations speaking on behalf of topics that we haven't had lived experience in. And then the question becomes, well, where is this coming from? Does this actually work for you? And the things that I'm sharing, they may not work for everyone. Just like we said, we can't please everyone. And everyone... Every one of the experiences, they're all unique and they're all different from one another. But just the act of sharing the story and the journey, that may be the greatest asset to someone else's life because you never know how it may impact them. You never know how it may impact somebody else's thought pattern. It may help them think differently about not only their past, but about themselves ultimately. And that's one of the major gifts of stories. And it's so interesting, you know. Uh, you may prepare for this podcast uh, as I did, or let's say a presentation, uh, a keynote or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have a general sense of what you want people to feel and how to respond. But once it starts, there's no, it's out of the, out of the bag. Yeah. And what happens, it's almost like a living thing, you know? Uh, but it's interesting because how people respond with that story is, is often a, a very, unique and a very beautiful thing. And it's uh, personal to each individual. Uh, That's why I, I like your show a lot. And the reason why is because there is no, there are no scripted answers mm-hmm. and there are no scripted questions. The things that we talk about are all in the moment. And when you think about it, that's when I'm able to be my pure self. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have, I'm not, what I've learned is that, and I've been interviewed on different shows where there were scripted questions, is that once I'm able to see one question and the one beyond that, I'm not really going to be here Mm -hmm. because I'm already thinking about the answer to the next question. So I think what's unique about your show is that you do ask questions that are in the moment that do connect to the story before that, to the point before that. And that's what I think is important, not only for listeners, but for people who are even being interviewed, is that you honor their time and you give them a space to really process by asking them questions that are relevant to one another. Mm. So uh, I have something funny to tell you, just be authentic, like... Some spit had like got caught in my throat or something. I wanted to get this other question out, <laughs> which is what caused a pause. But it's it, thank you for those nice things you said uh, for creating that space. Uh, that's why I enjoy doing as a as a podcast host and definitely as a coach. That's like the most important skill: asking good questions, creating that safe space. But one thing I've I've really been noodling on a lot lately is the cost of inaction, right? Mm-hmm. Because we get afraid of sharing that story 
and wondering what are people going to think of me or whatever. And that's a very real cost. And there's fear there Mm -hmm. and imposter and all of that. But if the story can be a generous gift and you don't share it, and it can be processed in a million different ways based on how your audience receives it, what's the cost of not sharing it? And isn't that cost outweighing the cost of you facing your fear? Exactly. And in, I think in both cases, you will have to develop skills to deal with both outcomes. And the reason why is when I had first shared my story, at first there, were a lot of, there was a lot of positive feedback as far as people reaching out and saying, thank you for sharing. This is how I was able to relate. Or I can't believe I just read this because I've lived with a story similar to that for so many years and I haven't had the space to share it. But there were also comments that weren't so welcoming. There were people that reaching out to me and saying, how could you do this? How could you bash our home nation like that? How can you talk about your family um, in those ways? And as part of it, it, it helped me because it allowed me to understand that okay, I shared my story with the purpose of helping others to embrace and share their own stories. But as part of this journey, I'm going to have to develop skills to help deal with the negative criticism of it. And so just like you said, in both instances, you will have to develop skills to deal with both of those sides, both angles. For the negative negative criticism, what I chose to do was instead of responding with the same energy I chose to just ask people questions. Why do you think that? Or what made you feel this way? And you know what was very interesting was after a couple back and forth with some people, I actually noticed their own perspective shift. And then they understood why I shared it. And so it was almost as if, and and the, the thing about it was that you never know what people are going through. They might've been going through whatever obstacle that they're facing in life, and you might've been the outlet. So when they saw your piece of content, they saw your comment, they saw your story, in their mind, it might've made sense to let everything out of their body through your channel. And so as part of it, when I was able to understand that, I just stopped blaming people. If you have a negative comment, That doesn't mean you are the worst person in the world. All it means is that you are human and you might be going through something and I might have just been the outlet for you to release that. And that's okay because I feel comfortable enough in having a dialogue like that and helping you reframe that. And even though I choose not to participate in the same form of energy, but I can do it differently. I could ask you questions. I can be the space for you to help you process what you're going through. That's why I think the stories, just like you said, they're so powerful. I don't even think we understand how powerful our stories are. And there's so many different layers to our story. When you really think about it, even if you were to break down this particular instance or yesterday, That's a book. You can write a book on a single day. And that's fascinating. And it all boils down to what do you choose to look at? What do you see 
What is the story that you choose to tell? So I do have two scripted questions and we end each show with them. Uh-huh. And and this one's basically kind of like, what story would you tell? But uh, if you could put a message on a school marquee across the world for a single day, what would that message read? Never say can't. Never say you can't do something in life. The reason why I say that is because when I was in sixth grade, this was the first grade that I ended up coming to the States. I was put halfway through sixth grade. And looking back at it now, my parents made a genius move of doing that because I should have been in seventh grade, but they put me in sixth to help me learn English and everything that came with this culture. The reason why I say never say can't is because there was a time where I was sitting at a dinner table with my dad and I was having some problems solving one of the math problems as part of my homework. So I came up to him and I think just like any other teenager, we want the answers instead of actually solving problems. So I came came (laughs) to him and I, I asked him if he could help me, but really what I was asking him, if he could solve the problem for me. What my dad did after that was that he pulled out a white sheet of paper and he said something along the lines of, I won't solve it for you, but we can solve this together. And after solving that particular problem and then a couple of the other ones following that, one of the messages he shared with me was that, son, never say you can't. Never say you can't do something in life. What's been interesting was a couple of years ago, I asked my mom, I said, how do you remember dad? What kind of impact has he had on you? And she said similar stuff. She said that one of the things that my dad passed on to her was essentially helping her almost eliminate the word can't. So that's the message that I would pass on to everyone. And that is never say you can't do something in life. If you can set your mind to it, you can achieve it. There's always a way. It may not be the way that you think of right now. And I don't think it ever is. I think we have this understanding that in order for us to get to X, Y, and Z, we just have to follow these three simple steps. But sometimes those three simple steps turn into a thousand, millions. Sometimes it just takes one step, one conversation. So we never really know how many steps it's going to take to that. But we, what we do know and what I do know is that if I choose not to give up, I'll find a way to get to that particular goal. Oh, like you're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? Wow, that's a deep question. And the reason why is I've actually recently had a thought about developing some form of school or university type setting where people can really be themselves and achieve the, the dreams that they want. I think the first resource and the first element of that foundation starts with people. What I've learned is that the more people I was able to surround myself with, the more people that I was able to share my story with, the more of this story I was able to uncover and learn. So surrounding yourself with people who can help you get to that particular stage of who you want to be is critical. And more so identifying the people that are part of it. As you had mentioned, 
prior to this when you were writing the thank you note to a friend of yours and you made the challenge to some of the listeners to do a similar thing and that is express gratitude to their five closest friends. I recently had an interview with a friend of mine and what he said was that we are the products of the behaviors of our five closest friends. And that's when it made, that was one of the first times when it made me realize that I should choose wisely as far as the five closest friends that I do have, because you do become a part of them throughout your life. So I think the first element of it all is people. The second element I would say is encouragement. And that is messages that are helping you, messages that are encouraging you to move forward. I think giving the inspiration to another person's life, especially during times of adversity, is key because that's what helps them get through it. That's what helped me get through it all. That's what helped me recreate hope during moments where I didn't have any. The message that I shared with you about never say can't, which is what my father shared with me, he shared that with me when I was in sixth grade, 14 years ago. And yet I still remember it as if it happened yesterday. So those are the key things that I would focus on. And the third one, and I know this is going slightly against what the traditional school system and foundation is, but I would really have to say it's gratitude. I think having a focus on being grateful for the things that have happened to you and the things that have happened for you. Taking a step back and reflecting upon my journey has allowed me to really understand the people that have been a part of my journey. A couple of years ago, I went to my middle school and I was very fortunate to meet my sixth grade teacher. Prior to that moment, I haven't seen him for about eight to nine years. Eight to nine years, I've not seen him. And that whole time thinking that he knew the type of impact that he had on me. As soon as I walked into that classroom and I shared the things that I've done with the story, he said, I didn't even know the things that I did were going to have an impact on you because the things we were doing were new to me. I've never had a kid like that in my classroom who didn't speak English. He was in sixth grade. So for him, it was a journey of its own. For me, what it made me realize after he had mentioned those words was that I don't think people really know the type of impact you have on them until you tell them. I think that's an assumption that we make, that just because I had a conversation with whoever it is along this journey and they helped me reshape my perspective, think differently, that they know the impact they have. But oftentimes they don't because you didn't communicate that to them in that particular moment. It took you time to develop that perspective just like the things that you went, you were going through. As far as writing this thank you note and expressing your gratitude, that took you time. And it's over time that I think I was able to see the type of actions that I was able to take from those moments. So being grateful for the people that you have in your life, being grateful for a chance to live, being grateful for a chance to experience this life. I think life is beautiful. I really think so. Think about how many people or possible people don't actually get to experience life like this. Yeah, some definitely 
to be thankful for. It's it's phenomenal. Like how how, how many possible babies could be that could be born that don't end up being born and yet we are the we are the living ones so those are the three things that i would share is really being grateful for all the things that have happened to me and it's part of that journey that i've really been able to understand that there is no such thing as self-made man i think we are all products of other people and obviously our own experiences to the best of our ability of understanding them. But at the end of the day, it always takes someone else to help you open that door. Oleg, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? The one thing that I would like the ruckus maker to remember is that the answers are within. All of the answers that you are looking for are already within you. It just takes time to get to them. And it takes other people, I think, to ask you questions, to help you look at your journey in a different way so you can tap into those elements. But at the end of the day, you already have what it takes to become the person that you want to be. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. <laughs>